Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen, no one's more frustrated than I am. I can promise you that. We're working hard at figuring it out. We play well, I would say, defensively in the majority of our games this year, and we get into these, excuse me, one-score situations down the end of the game, and we got to find a way to close it out. And there's a lot of things that go into that when you're trying to close a game out, right? So, you know, those are the things that we're studying moving forward. And then offensively, we've got to not be in those one-score games. We've got to pull ahead or play better earlier in the game. Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott. Talking about one-score games there. That really, it really is a big factor for the Bills over the past few seasons is losing the one-score games. I mean, sure, they've won them too. But, man, I mean, Joe brought it up earlier. If, if you win those one-score games, Kansas City isn't always going to be number one in, a, in the AFC because they also do that, but they don't do it nearly as much as the Bills. So... It's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't really like fix it in like a practice or anything. You can't, you know, say, oh, we're going to draft somebody to stop that from happening. It's just something that the team has to adapt to and has to overcome. And I, I think they can do it, but I just don't know what it's going to take at this point. I mean, with the amount of times we've seen this team fall in one-score games – it's it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, what's next? What's the missing piece of the puzzle? You know, like when you're making a puzzle and you get to the final piece and it's under the couch and you don't know where it is and you can't find it. That's kind of where we're at right now is how do you stop that from happening? So we're going to continue to talk, talk some bills here. Welcome to the Extra Point Show. Sneaky Joe and Sal are off. I'm Josh Schmidt. You're listening to WGR. We're going to go back to the phones here. We got Luke in Rochester. Luke, thanks for hanging on. What do you got for me? Well, I think you get rid of the coach and maybe put Joe Brady in his interim. He's showing excellent game management and an ability to understand his personnel. McDermott wouldn't even be 500 without Allen. Tasker apparently called Allen the best player in the NFL, which I completely agree with. But McDermott doesn't see it. He thinks Josh has to play smarter. He needs a smarter coach. McDermott isn't it. He wasted that timeout trying to ice the kicker on a fifty-seven yard, a fifty-nine yarder in like horrible conditions, giving him more time to actually compose. But he didn't. He, and he thought he said that that would end the game. That was his. That was his 
tactical approach to try to end the game by calling that timeout and not having it as a second timeout with 20 seconds left. Uh, the, the dude would call a time. Belichick apparently said that on the final play in the Super Bowl with the Seahawks, he could see they were harried, frazzled. He didn't want to call a timeout because they might botch it. They did botch it. You know what McDermott would do? I'm certain, although this is subjective, he would call a timeout. The Seahawks would switch to a run play and score. That's the type of coach we have. He's got to go. Brady has in two games showed he could do a better job. At least he's here. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four or five games. Yeah, thanks for the call, Luke. I I don't know about Brady. I I I don't think that would be quite the answer. I I I'm not sure about that. I I do agree with you on the timeout though. The timeout was pretty questionable. Um I mean, 59 yards is one a long way in an indoor stadium with perfect conditions. This is in the rain, in the wind, in the cold at night and you're you have the game on your line. But it's also Jake Elliott. He's a very good kicker for the Eagles. Has been for a while. He's known as around the league as one of the least likely kickers to quote unquote be iced. So I don't really know what the plan was there. I mean, they were even rushing onto the field anyway to begin with. The Eagles were out of timeouts at that point. So that's that's where it starts, and then you go to the kneel down, and that's like the other questionable call. It all happened in about a five-minute span. But, I mean, again, that's not something you can fire a coach on, obviously. That is something where you can you know kind of raise your eyebrow and stick it in the back of your brain for later on and you know file it away and be like, hey, I'm going to remember that. Let's see if that's a recurring thing. And it has happened before. I mean, not that specific scenario, but there has been issues before with, you know, questionable calls and and why did what happened here? Why did that go? Why did that player do this? Why did they call that play? Like running a zero blitz against the Broncos and letting them get down the field. And I mean, obviously the 12 personnel thing, you don't plan to do that. It was an accident. But accidents happen when you, you know, are rushing and it's not it's not a great look. But again, this I don't think any of this stuff is going to be, you know, grounds for firing at the end of the season. Unless, like I said, if it gets super crazy in these next five weeks, I I, I just can't see that happening. I, I don't think it will, and to be honest, I don't think it should. Because I think a defensive coordinator would really help the situation here. I think it would help McDermott have less on his plate. I think it would, you know, as long as you get the right guy, because that's the thing, you got to take the offseason to get the right guy, make sure he's going to work in your scheme, not change it up too much, confuse the players. And I mean, obviously, you'd have the off, that's an offseason move, and you'd have the whole offseason to implement potentially a new playbook or at least some new plays and whatnot. But right now, with what's happened and what's forward, it's personally, I don't think it's the point where you're at the point of, of firing. Let's go back to the phones here. We got Tom in a car. Tom, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Good. What you got for me? Um, 
okay, despite the bad calls by the coach, bad calls by the ref, uh, bad decisions, whatever you want to call it, this, this Bills team still went to Philadelphia, a team that's 9-1, and one, the best team in the NFL, and took them to overtime. Despite all the all the bad calls and bad decisions, they took this team to overtime. Yes, they should have beat them. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. Bring on Kansas City and let's go. Rest of the year. You're talking my language, Tom. I like that. Thanks for the call. I I like that there because that's that's important to remember is they went in to Philadelphia and they took on the best team in the league and they played great for let's say three and a half quarters of game time. There might be, you know, like a quarter or so of questionable mistakes and questionable calls and errors and whatever, but they played great. They looked like the bills. They seemed to have the confidence that we've seen the Bills have in the past. And, you know, it for if it had not been for, you know, 20 seconds and everything like that, then this would have gone down as another great game for the Bills. I think it still should. One costly error should not, you know, hamper everything else that was done in that game. Obviously, you shouldn't ignore it, but, you know, you shouldn't look away from... Allen returning to the run game and looking great while doing so. Gabe Davis coming up big when you needed him to at times. Khalil Shakir also showing up. And especially because this is all, you know, on the premise of Stephon Diggs not having a good game. And usually when that happens, the offense stalls and stutters because you don't have anyone else performing. This time, however, you did. And... Like Tom mentioned, you had all those penalties. I didn't even bring up the penalties in, in the officiating. That was, I mean, it was egregious is a word I would like to use for like the first half. And then the second half was just as bad, if not worse. So I, I'm not one that likes to say, you know, they lost the game because of the officials. Sure, there's times where officials make bad calls and it can cost you a game. But that that game even with the bad calls, was great for the Bills. They overcame it. They didn't let it, you know, bring them down or get frustrated or anything like that. They played through it, and they said, you know what? You're going to make bad calls. We're still going to play good. And that's something that you want to see from a team that's at the time, was 6-5 and five fighting for a playoff spot, which they still are fighting for a playoff spot. But that's something you want to see from a team like that. You don't want to see a team, sometimes you'll see them, and a lot of times you'll see them just shell up and not continue. So it's it's good to see the confidence continue. But it's got to really really pick up for the next 5 weeks and and just, you know, stay consistent. Let's go to Steve in Georgia now. Steve, how's it going? Hey man, going well. Um so before I say what I'm going to say about McDermott, I hope the Bills make a run. I hope this team can make it to the Super Bowl and win. Now, I like Tom's attitude, the previous caller, about, hey, Kansas City next week, let's go. I don't feel McDermott feels the same way. I mean, 
to kneel with 20 seconds and one timeout in the fourth quarter with a superstar quarterback and basically telling your team, I don't think we can do it. How can he, and his coaching style is buy into my process, buy into what I'm selling you, because when the time comes, never mind, I'm not going to buy into the players and give you a chance to win the game. And I think that's a fatal flaw, and that is fireable. that's a fireable offense in my opinion, but I'm not Terry Pagula, and a lot of Bills Mafia out there want to keep him because the process worked. It, it changed the culture and it changed the organization. That's great. But the process isn't going to get us over the hump, in my opinion. Thanks for the call, Steve. I appreciate that. I, um, I, man, I, I don't know if he's, I, I think somebody called in a day or two ago about has he lost the room? And I don't think it's to that point yet. I think we'd see it a lot more on the field. I don't think we'd see a team go out there and put up 34 points against the best team in the league. And I know that wasn't exactly your point of, you know, it's it's more does he not trust them. But I don't think it's to that point yet either. I think it was, you know, it, it's hard because I, I, I go back and forth on, you know, you have Josh Allen, you should go for it with 20 seconds to go. But then at the same time, the safe approach technically is, you know, just going to overtime and, and having trust in, in Josh Allen to win you the game in overtime. But the problem there, there's one little thing, and it's about the size of a quarter, and it's called a coin flip. You put the game on a coin flip. If you have trust in Josh Allen to win you the game in overtime, why don't you have trust in him to win you the game with 20 seconds to go? That's kind of where I end up on that, where, you know, like I said, I don't think he's lost trust in the players. I just think he wanted to try to give them maybe a better scenario, give them more time, but it was a big what if the offense gets the balls first. You know, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. And sure, if you lose the coin toss, you can say, well, we have trust in our defense to get the ball back. But your defense didn't do that in overtime. They weren't able to. So, again, it comes down to what if and if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas this would be. Let's go to the next phone call. Tommy in Ellicottville. Tommy, what do you got? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, You know, I think like a lot of these guys have been having some good points today on McDermott. Um, I like the guy. I root for the guy. He's easy to root for, but my biggest issue is how – how often we play scared when we have a lead and whether that's, we, you know, he's used his scapegoats on his offensive coordinators or uh, Ken Dorsey. But um, I just think that first and third down, why do we always have to run the ball? And I understand the logic of making the other team use their timeouts, but against these good teams where you know they're going to be able to push the ball down. Now you think about 13 seconds, but just this past game against Philly, I hate, that we decide to run the ball on first and third down, up to third down, to make them use their timeouts, knowing that we're going to probably not get a first down. I know you're like, oh, we're going to definitely get the first down here or, or we're going to win the game running the ball, and you push that down your team's throat. But you know the other defense who's good and who's been playing pretty good up to that point. I know they gave up so many points, but they were playing better. I don't know why we consistently go we, – we just try to make them waste their timeouts, give them the ball back, and then lean on our defense while, while our defense is always playing back. We're never rushing. And then we blitz, 
And then we blitz, and then they torture us. Like, I, I just think that the, the ideology of McDermott playing scared, that's what he does. He instills fear into his players instead of lifting them up and saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to play as aggressive as we have been all game when your quarterback has 420 total yards, four touchdowns, and you're like, ah, I'm just, we're just going to try to make them call their timeouts and then lean on our defense. All right, I'll hang up. Thanks. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the point of – I don't know if it's playing scared, I, but I agree with you on the point of leaning on your defense. Let's, let's start there. I think that that's almost become too predictable. Teams have seen this Bills team, this pretty much the same Bills team, because you have Sean McDermott, you had Leslie Frazier, and you had Brian Dable. You had those three for a few number of years, and they had not well. I don't want to say a, they had a system, but they don't. They didn't have like a set. You know, every game went this way because Dable was a master of you know changing things up on your last second, and you, you never knew what you were going to get. That was the biggest threat to that Bill with that Bills offense. On the defensive side, you had a lot of talent. You had, you know, Prime, Poyer, Hyde. You had Matt Milano. You had Tremaine Edmonds. You had you didn't have quite, quite yet have, you know, Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. But you had a lot of weapons on, on defense as well. So Frazier could put that all together. And even then, look back to 13 seconds. They leaned on the defense. They became predictable. All game... In the 13 seconds game, in the last game, most of them. The defense plays very aggressive till the very end. And then it's just kind of, you know, let's just let's just get to the whistle. Let's just hang on for dear life and get to the whistle if it's a one score game. If it's, you know, if it's a blowout, it doesn't really matter. But it's it's kind of predictable. And to your point, you know, you, you they they play off. And then all of a sudden, boom! There's a blitz out of quote unquote out of nowhere. The other team, the other team knows it's coming. If it's third down and five, they know you're going to blitz. If it's second and five, they know you're going to blitz because that's how this offense has looked, or that's how this defense, excuse me, has looked. Is you play off until you absolutely cannot play off of them anymore, and then you try to blitz, and it's oh well, we knew that was coming. Here we go. Look at the Broncos game. So I do think that's what I think the a new defensive coordinator would instill in this team is a, a fresh look. Yes, you'd want to keep the majority of it the same, but you'd want something new, something different. You don't want the players to get stagnant. And you also can't put all that on McDermott as well because he's, he's the head coach of the team as well. He's got all this stuff going on. And I'm not trying to give him an excuse or a pass or whatever, but... If you put too much on your plate, if you think you can do it all yourself, and I'm not saying he does or doesn't, but if you do that, if with anything in life, aside from sports, if you just try to, you know, do all this stuff, something's going to falter. Something's not going to look as good as the other thing. You know, like it, you're going to be trying to do too much at once and something's going to get messy. And in this case, it's it was the defense. So at the end of the day, you just kind of need to get a fresh look and be original. And I just don't think they've done that recently. Let's go to Danny in Middlebury. Hey, how's it going today? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I am—I uh, was just as bad at McDermott as everybody else. 
when he came out and he said, well, at least the defense played well, um, to the point where, like, I, you know, like, where I wanted a player. But I got a, I had some time to reflect, and I really think he's done wonders with this defense this year. Um, if you took Josh Allen, Diggs, and Kincaid or Moss out of your lineup, the Bills aren't going anywhere. And we've had, in my opinion, Milano, who's been the heart and soul of the defense, Trey White, who's a pro bowler and a Hall of Famer, and Todd Miller on one leg, and we're still, uh, you know, we're still making it happen. And that, I think, is just due to, you know, some defensive genius there. If you look at the analytics on game day, too, while people are saying he shouldn't be calling the, um, calling the plays, our analytics are in, like, top three, top five of the league, so we do often do the next right thing. Uh, the 20 seconds was confusing to everybody. Um, all those penalties hurt. But the reason why this game hurts that much is because we painted ourselves into a corner. The team is phenomenal. We took the Super Bowl champs to overtime, but we lost against the Jets. We lost winnable games, and that's going to put us on the outside looking in this year. Uh, hopefully, you know, that makes some changes. We get a better middle linebacker in here, whatever it might be. But I remember the drought. I don't know how many people remember 17 years of losing, but getting rid of McBean and uh, Dervis, McBean, reminds me of when March Broda and Levy left. That equated to a lot of sadness. So I choose to be patient for about a year, see what's going on, and, you know, go from there. Yeah, thanks for the call, Danny. I like that uh, that last point about the patience. It, it kind of brings it back to what the la- what a caller said last hour about you know be careful what you wish for, and you know I was pretty young growing up through the drought, but I mean I grew up through the drought, so I had nothing but a losing football team to base everything off of. I mean, it was not a good time, and I don't want to go back to that. Sure, but. And I and I don't think this team, with this current coaching staff and things like, things like that, would take the Bills back to a scenario like that. But I also don't want to just sit here and remain complacent. Yes, I like I said before, I don't think they should fire him this year, especially because you know nothing has been a quote unquote fireable offense to this point. But you got to, you know, remember things like this. Remember weeks like this week. Remember games like that game and say, all right, sure, we made the playoffs, but there was a lot of question marks. Let's see how next year's go. Next year goes. Or, hey, we missed the playoffs. Man, let's see how next year goes and see if this continues. Is this a trend? Is this where this team is going? And if that's the case, you got to make a decision and you got to, potentially make a very hard move. But in that case, you know, it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. And there might be a few years of, you know, adjustment and a, like growing pains like there were at the beginning of Josh Allen's career. With sports like this, it's, it's there's always going to be changes and there's always going to be times you have to adapt. Like you brought up the injuries and things like that with the defense. And yes, the defense has really stepped up. You've had guys like Terrell Bernard and Christian Benford and Greg Rousseau 
really, really step up and become key parts of this defense. You had Rasul Douglas come in here and immediately be an impact player. He had two interceptions in one game. And I think, what, it, what was it, his second or third game? So there's definitely bright spots, and there's definitely moments where you can say, yeah, that defense looks great because of who's coaching them. But obviously the bad stuff's going to outweigh the good stuff. And the bad stuff being losing to the Patriots, losing to the Jets, losing to the Broncos. At the beginning of the year, if I was looking at this schedule and I saw the Bills were at 6-6, six and six, I would tell you the losses came, which some of them did, the losses came. I would tell you the losses came to the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Eagles, and then I would ask you what happened in the other three games. Why did they lose three three games to the combined Jets, Patriots, and Broncos? Like, what happened there? Because at the beginning of the year, you know, you expected the Jaguars, Bengals, and Eagles to be difficult opponents. But the Jets, Patriots, and Broncos? I mean, come on. Those games are your must-wins. You're going to steal a win here and there from other teams. But when you play a team that's 2-9, and nine, like the Patriots are, or a team that's never found a quarterback since Mark Sanchez, and even then it was, you know, Mark Sanchez. When you lose to a team like that, there's a lot of questions, and it's not a fun place to be. But at the end of the day, you have to, you know, learn from that and win the games you can now because those games are in the past. So the five games that are ahead of you, sure, they're tough tests, but – You've beaten the Chiefs. You've embarrassed the Cowboys on national TV on Thanksgiving. It's it's a tough road, but the road is there. So, got to start walking. Going to take another quick time out here. I think we're going to switch to some Sabres stuff. We had some Sabres news coming from Sabres general manager Kevin Adams um, in the past hour or so. Interesting uh, good news on Jack Quinn and Tage Thompson. So we'll uh, we'll see what that is, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Extra Point Show on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. He was just re-imaged. Hopefully he's on the shorter end of the timeline, but still a little ways away, but definitely in a good spot. It's Buffalo Sabres general manager Kevin Adams talking about Tage Thompson. Thompson got hurt a couple weeks ago now. Uh, had blocked a shot with, I think it was his left wrist, and has been out for some time. Was expected to be out for a while, but it sounds like things are on the mend. You know, no timetable yet, obviously, no date or anything like that. But it sounds like things are going better than expected, which is great. I mean, you know, you're missing your top scorer, one of the better player, one of the best players on your team, if not the best. I mean, you got Rasmus Dahlin as well, so that's, you know, an X factor right there. But it's exciting to see that Thompson is on the path that he is because, you know, having him better or having him back is, you know, really important for the team in the long run. Some other notes from practice. Going to read some stuff from our own Paul Hamilton's Twitter here. Um, Adam said he met with Levi yesterday. Devin Levi was sent down to Rochester. First time he'll be down in the AHL. He actually, uh, the Amherst just posted a video about 40 minutes ago. Levi had his first practice with the Amherst. No, uh, no red, white, and blue pads yet, but, I mean, as to be expected. You know, just got sent down. He's got a... Get some get some gear sent to Rochester, but says he met with Levi Granado and Mike Bales yesterday. Had a very productive meeting, and Levi was asking a lot of questions. So Sabres' future goaltender, right there, you know, taking his first stint in Rochester, a lot like a former goaltender that's very near and dear to Sabres fans' hearts, Ryan Miller. Miller was drafted in the '99 draft in the fifth round by the Sabres. And now it seems that, you know, Levi could have a very similar path to the NHL to Ryan Miller. So looking at some stats here because I want to talk about this Levi thing because I I think it'll be good for him in the long run. I wasn't fully on board with, you know, sending him down, and I thought maybe, you know, he just needs a little time to get his confidence up. But at this point, I think it's, it's probably safe bet to just do it. And, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I think it's going to help him more than anything, obviously. I mean, it's a less 
It's a, it's a, it's a step below the NHL. It's a less competitive league, but it's just as competitive in in the same sentence. Like I mean, it's it's more skill level than anything. But if you look at Ryan Miller, he played 170 games in the AHL in three years. He did have you know a two game stint in 0506. Not really sure what that was there. I mean, like I said before, I was pretty young at the time, so I don't really know what was going on at that time. But 2002 and 2003, he plays 15 games in the NHL. Looks all right. Has record of 6-8-1, only two and a half goals-ish against per game, and above a 900 save percentage. That's pretty good. They send him down. He plays in the AHL for 47 games. It's a record of 23 and 18, above a 900 save percentage, and about a little under two and a half goals against. It's pretty good. Those Amherst teams back in the early 2000s were something to be hold. I don't know. I couldn't think of a hold there. Um, you had rookie Paul Gostad, Derek Roy, Thomas Vanek, Jason Pominville, all those guys coming up through the system. And then you get to 0304. Miller plays three games with the Sabres, has over five goals against, and under an eight save percentage, under 800 on a save percentage. That is abysmal in three games. So they send him back down. He plays there for two years because of the lockout season in 04-05. And in that time, he racks up over 70, almost, almost 70 wins in about 120 games played, 13 shutouts combined. Well, I can't really do the math on that. So save percentage in both years was above a 9-1, like it was 9-2-2 in one year, 9-2-5 in the other year, and has under two and a half goals against average per game. So then comes to the NHL in 05-06 and the rest is history. Plays 48 games in that season, wins 30 of them, has a 914 save percentage and a little over two and a half goals against per game. Obviously, Sabres go on their run, come up short in Carolina, and I'm hooked as a Sabres fan for life. Um, so, obviously, it's two different players, but you have two very similar, I guess I want to say hype trains. I mean, you look at Devin Levi, he's been all we could talk about for the past year and a half, two years. And yeah, he played great at the end of the season last year. He really kept you, kept you in it. You were in a playoff race and you had a 21 year old goaltender keeping you in that playoff race and winning you games that you needed to win. But that doesn't mean he can come in your next season and be your number one goaltender. And I, I will admit, I thought he could judging on last season. I thought he could, but now that we're all back down to reality, it was a little bit of a crazy plan. And I'm not saying this is no discredit to Levi. He's a young goalie. He's a young player. He has a lot of a is a big, bright future ahead of him. But this little stint in Rochester, I think, is going to do wonders for him. And it's really going to help his career elevate to the next level, in my opinion. And you can look at what you have here right now. A goaltender that has been going up and down for the past three or four years. Uko Pekalukkanen. Lukanen has played 11 games so far for the Sabres this year. Six wins in that span with a shutout as well. 
two and a half ish goals against and above a 900 save percentage, just above it. Such a high save percentage that he is eighth in the league among goaltenders with more than seven games played. He also has the 12th best goals against average in goaltenders that have over seven games played. So while you would like for Levi to also be doing that well, and you know, you just have the youngest best tandem in the league, you can't like it. it, You can't expect that, especially after seeing how things have gone in the first little while here with Levi. I mean, there was some nights where it looked, he looked tired. He looked like a young goalie that wasn't 100% prepared for the NHL game. And if that's the case, then, you know, sending him to Rochester was the right move. And I think that's really going to help him down there. Now, focusing on the Sabres themselves, they do have a game tomorrow night in St. Louis on a little bit of a road trip here. They were just in New York. Let's see, that was Monday. And, you know, they took care of business. 5-1 win, scoring five, well, four goals. One was an empty netter from Casey Middlestat. On one of the best goaltenders in the league, Igor Shosturkin, so much so that he slams his stick at the end of the game. And the one goal you let up is on a really weird penalty. Zach Benson gets a cross-checking call for, you know, tapping Jake Truba. Didn't know Benson had that strength. I know, right. I mean, Benson... He didn't even fall. Right. He barely moved. He didn't moved. fall. There was someone else that fell, and the official thought that he made the cross-check. Right, exactly. So, you know, questionable penalty there, and then it leads to a goal, but Sabres didn't back down. They were up 2-1. Alex Tuck gets a third. And that's the kind of, you know, Don Granato always says compete. That's the level of compete that that team needs to bring. And he's 100% right. If... I mean, the Sabres outshot the Rangers 39-27, to 27, I think the final total was. And, you know, you compare that to the New Jersey game this past weekend, the Sabres had, I think, 12 shots in an entire game. That's two different teams. And it, it's there's no difference. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why it's like that. But, you know, you have to find that next gear. And keep that level of level of compete and, you know, keep it going game in, game out. And sure, you're going to have bad games here and there. But night in and night out, that team can play like they did in the Ranger game. And a goaltender like Uka Pekalukkanen can help you in games like that. I mean, sure, they didn't really need him to keep them in the game, but he made some insane saves. He was on Sports Center top 10. He was third. With that stick save of him driving diving across the crease. But the offense helped themselves. You know, it was a very, if you want to take a play out of the Bills playbook, a complimentary game. You had great defending along with great offense. And like I said, you're not going to have that every night. But if you can start to get in a rhythm where your goaltender like Lukanen is winning you games or your offense is winning you games, that's the recipe for success. And that's how teams make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, it is tough. You don't have Tage Thompson. That's a big blow. Jack Quinn as well. Adams also mentioned Quinn in his meeting with the media. It sounded, I, I, I don't have the exact quote, but it sounded like things were getting better with him as well. Again, no timetable on either of these players, but things are getting better for two of your 
you know, breakout players last year. Thompson obviously had his breakout year a couple years ago, but Quinn really was coming into his own last season on a line with Cousins and Paterka. And now you see J.J. Paterka having nine goals in this season so far, a lot of them you know, being the first goal of the game for the Sabres, which is kind of funny. But he's, you know, coming into his own. And I wonder if Jack Quinn would be having the same success had he started the season healthy. Now, when Quinn comes in, I don't expect him to be a 40-point scorer and, you know, he's going to light the league on fire. But I do expect, you know, that offensive speed and that shot that we saw from him last year. It really developed into something special and... I think that'll continue this season. Now, I don't know how big of a sample size we'll get because, like I said, we don't really have a timetable on Quinn. But he is getting better. He's started skating in, you know, light little like rehab skates, I guess. I don't think he was at practice. You know, he's not, well, no, he's not in practice as, you know, like on a line or whatever. Speaking of lines, also from our own Paul Hamilton, lines from today's practice, looks like we got, Rosine's still in the mix, moving around. They're kind of shuffling lines around. They called up Brandon Byro. Sabres did from Rochester. Um, some interesting pairings. See Power with Ryan Johnson, kind of like that. Darlene back with Samuelson. You know, they've had their time together, and they've proven they can do it. Let's see what else we got here. We got Skinner, Middlestat, and Tuck. I really like that. Those three have been really stepping up in the absence of Tage Thompson. Casey Middlestad especially, I mean, you know, he's not, you know, getting the points necessarily, but he's also pretty looking pretty well with Skinner and Tuck and other players throughout the lineup. You also had Benson cousins Paterka, which is a line we saw last game. I really like that. I hope that continues. That's a fun, fast line. So... We'll have to see how the Sabres do tomorrow night. We'll have, we'll have more Sabres talk tomorrow as well. As like as I said, they play in St. Louis tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. We're going to wrap up the show on the other side, send things over to Sabres Live, maybe squeeze a call in here if uh, if we have the, the time. So stay tuned. Extra Point Show. going to wrap things up next. You're listening to WGR. Just a few minutes here before we wrap things up, send it over to Sabres Live. We're going to go to Scott in Illinois. Scott, we got to be quick. What uh, what you got for I'll, me? I'll, hey, I'll be really quick. Um, I, you talked about the games that we missed or that we didn't win, and I think one of the biggest miscalculations of this year was the funneling or funneling Josh away from using his legs. And I think in any given situation, you talked about two or three of those games. If he took what was there in front of him, what he would have done in the past, has done every year in the past, and ran as opposed to have his mindset shift to everything other than running there would have been games we would have won. And I think that in and of itself, not letting Josh be Josh, was a big factor in why they've lost some of the games they've lost this year. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I 100% agree with you. That is, without a doubt, one of the main reasons why that offense struggled for so long. And we're seeing it now. I mean, it looks like, I wouldn't say it's fixed, but it does look like it's on the mend. And... Allen using his legs is a big key part of that because, as I said before, just the threat of Josh Allen running opens up so much more of that offense. You have defenses not knowing who to cover because 
you either have this giant, as Joe called him, a centaur of a man running at you and you have no way to stop him unless you pull in a linebacker and a safety to, to haul him down, and even then he might juke you out, or you can back off of him and let him do that, or if you do that, he's got an open guy to throw to, and that open guy could likely be Stephon Diggs. And we all know what he can do in a one-on-one matchup, even in a doubled matchup. Looking back to that Dolphins game, that 55-yard touchdown, man. Wish we could go back to those. Those would be uh, nice to have right now. And I mean, I think we're getting there, but, you know, it's still going to take some time. I, I just, I think the Bills are on the right path, but offense this year, it's looking pretty, uh, pretty slim. Hopefully they can get, hopefully they can get to it. Let's take a quick look at the poll here before we wrap up, see how things finished out. Running the table still at a dismal 8%. I'm optimistic. Let's do it. I'm on board. Win them all. Stressful, yes, still at 24. A close but no is 41, and when's the draft went up to 27. So still some, you know, I wouldn't say pessimistic because it's not wrong to be pessimistic about this. It's a very tough hill to climb. I mean, We've got some comments coming in on it. Max tweets in, I'm too traumatized for hope at this point. I'm right there with you, pal. I can feel that. I get that. But you know what I said? I, I, li- I, like, I like their chances, especially with Josh Allen in this offense. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a, run, a rough, fun ride. Sabres Live next. You're listening to WGR. Thanks for listening. This is the Extra Point Show, and this is WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.